We have a special treat today. Chaplain Trevor Carpenter is going to be speaking and bringing the word and on the theme of hope. What a great way to start 2021 with hope. So welcome, Chaplain Trevor Carpenter. Turn in your Bibles or turn on in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. That's where we'll kind of kind of camp out right there. And while you're turning on in your Bibles or turning to your Bibles, man, what an amazing week we've got, the beginning of 2021, the end of 2020. You know, I'm not going to get in line, but I do think it's now a cliche how so much of our jokes and our memes and our gifs or gifs or whatever you want to call it are all based around 2020 being this dumpster fire. It's almost passe to say about 2020. Even even on Netflix, there's there's a show right now trending. I haven't watched it or anything, but the whole title is based around how we are done with 2020 as a year. It seems like it's been such a long year. In fact, let me just throw out a couple of things. Remember when like Shakira and J-Lo did the halftime show at the Super Bowl with the 49ers in it? That That was in 2020. It seems like it was 40, 50 years ago. It seems like 40, 50 years ago that the Tiger King, everybody was watching it and everybody was talking about it. It seems like a hundred years ago that there were over a dozen people running for president. Remember when all those people were like, everybody was running for president and, and just such a long time ago. You and I are beginning to see this year end, but I think it's critical to also understand that the COVID situation, financial situations, all this kind of stuff, it's not like it, it's going to end on January 31st and, or, or December 31st and come January 1st, all this stuff is going to be over. Ecclesiastes says there's a season and there's a time, and we're also told that God's the one that holds this together. Not, we're not bound by some kind of calendar where things just end on a certain date. And, and for some people, that may even sound depressing. And you're like, why in the world are you beginning your sermon this way, your message this way? Well, for one, I'm trying to get you time to look and see where Hebrews is at if you're using a traditional Bible. But number two, I want, I, I want you to consider this. So many people have said things like, well, I hope that next year is going to be better. Or my hope is that things are going to go differently in a new season. And I think we take really, in, in light of our whole series, this concept of hope, we if we're using our word like that, hope, we take it out of context. Where is your hope, for example? This is week 16 of the NFL season, and I know there's some of y'all that are going to say, I hope my team makes it to the playoffs. I hope that this team loses so that my team can get in. I hope that my team can get, can get in by a win. Maybe you've got plans for the new year. I'm hoping that I'm able to do this in the spring or in the, in, in, in the latter part of, of the first couple of months of 2021. Or maybe you're, maybe you're like my wife where there's so much hope in, in decorating the house, right? Like right after Thanksgiving, we went right into decorating. And when I mean we, I mean my wife, Danielle, went into decorating this house and every room in it, so it looked like Santa had just gone everywhere. If you, if you had the great opportunity to come up onto the hill and come up onto the campus here at Anchor, you would have seen that the whole campus was just lit and people were, were involved and, 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 and the lights were just everywhere. And, and there, was, there was this anticipation of hope that Christmas was going to be wonderful, right? There was this hope in that. And, and it's kind of depressing when you start taking things down. We're going to 
we're going to be in the process of taking our lights down and taking the tree down and putting it out by the curb or trying to get rid of it somehow in one way or another. And, 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 and it's almost kind of, kind, of, kind of disappointing because there, there always seems to be a big rise of hope at Christmas time. And then there's this, all of a sudden, this kind of letdown. Well, what is hope? And what is it that we sometimes think is hope and it's really not? Let's read the text. I'll read out loud as you follow along. Starting in verse 19, it says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have a boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated this for us a new and living way through the curtain that is, by the way, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, then let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to this confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to to provoke good love and work, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. May you be blessed by it. Pastor Tim Keller, a well-known theologian and preacher in Manhattan at Redeemer Church in Manhattan, New York, he talks about that we struggle with uh, surface idols and source idols. Let me give you an example. In the past, maybe you've struggled with different things that have been kind of like idols in your life. Something that you've held on to is like, this is something I really go to, to find my strength, to find my hope, to find my comfort. And really it ends up being an idol, something that is not made by God, something that is not uh, 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 created for us to be shaped into the likeness of Christ, but rather takes it from us, right? These are, these are sinful idols. These are, these, are, these are like little false gods that we have in our life. And I know that sounds weird to use that terminology, but if you were to really be honest, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, there are arguably things that you and I both struggle with that we have to confess before the Lord to that, that we go to when we struggle. Keller points out and says some of these things are surface, like, like lust or greed or envy, but, but they're actually surface because they're rooted in deeper idols. And he lists four things that are source idols. And it's an interesting concept because if I name these four things, you could see that maybe these are some of the things that you struggle with that you put your hope into that end up uh, falling apart when, it's, when it really comes to, to the real life consequences. These four things are, are comfort, which, which comfort can be defined as looking to wrap our lives around an agenda that makes our lives easy, right? Which, which maybe if you were born and raised on the mainland and you came to Hawaii, you, maybe you came here on a vacation, you were like, man, I love this place. Everything seems so comfortable, right? And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make my life, I'm going to put my hope that I can get a job out here that keeps me out here all the time because everything is so full of comfort. Maybe your deal is uh, 
uh, control, right? So, so maybe you're one of those people that says, look, I'm going to put my hope in my own actions so that I can control everything. I can, I can make sure that my kids do this. I can make sure that my spouse does this, that my, that, 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 that my agenda uh, looks like this. If you're, if you're sitting there and, and, and I was talking with somebody the other day and they, and they were telling me about how they use a dating app to meet people and they were making sure that they controlled the whole circumstance, where they're going to meet this person, how they're going to meet this person. None of these things are bad, by the way, unless we put our hope above Christ in these things in that, right? So you've got comfort, you've got control. A third one is, is acceptance. This is for anybody who lives online, wakes up, immediately goes to social media and looks to see how many likes they have, how many hearts they've got. I'm looking, I'm hoping that people like this picture I'm posting, right? I'm hoping that people appreciate this post that I've given. I'm hoping that whatever it is, whether it's through TikTok or whether you're still using Facebook or some of y'all maybe still using MySpace, right? I don't know. Um, But in looking for those likes, you're looking for acceptance. My hope is that people like me. And then the fourth one is power, right? Which I would say this is more of a line of, of placing strength in human conditions. I'm going to assert myself. Uh, this is almost kind of like a sister to control. I'm going to assert myself to make sure that I get the, uh, 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 this agenda working. You guys liked that MySpace comment, didn't you? Yeah. So, all right. So here's the problem. Control, comfort, acceptance, power. Now, how do these fail? Well, they feel pretty easy. Let's talk about comfort, right? So you're at home and you're used to putting in your app where you've got your favorite restaurant. You're going you're gonna to type in, you're going to put in what your favorite order is, and you're going to go over there and you're going to get there and you're going to think that you're going to get there. In about five minutes, you're going to have the meal that you've been wanting. And as you get there, you see that there's about 25 other people that have also chimed in on their app, right? And you're now having to wait and you've got to wait longer to get that meal. Your comfort is threatened, Well, that's not a big deal unless you were really hoping in order for that to make you happy. And by the way, let me just tell you this. And I know I'm going to step on some toes here. But when your agenda is to be happy, that is not Christ-centered. Because happiness is one of those things where you're sitting there and you're like, you wake up and you go, man, I am happy. I'm having a great day. And you get in the car and you're on the H3 and somebody zips right in front of you and, and, and you don't know what their story is, but all of a sudden your, your happiness is challenged, right? You, you're not just wanting to be going, man, I hope that guy's okay. I hope they're not in a hurry. I hope they're not trying to get somewhere, but you're like, man, they need to, I need to run them off the bridge, right? You go high and right, even if there's worship music playing. You're like, Lord, I lift your name on high or whatever it is you're listening. And then you just go high and right, right? You see how happiness is challenged? What the Bible talks about, though, is not seeking happiness, but seeking joy, which is a whole different route. In fact, I would argue that if you were to go back and you were to carefully study all of the different themes that we've been talking about over these past weeks, these are rooted in a joy that's found in Christ. Happiness is ice cream cone. It's going to melt soon or you're going to eat it. And then you're going to regret the calories later on, right? Joy is something that is long lasting. I tell many Marines and sailors that I counsel that, that happiness is, is, is fulfilling your desire to have a good meal by stopping at a fast food drive through instead of waiting to get to that great steak. The steak takes longer, but you don't regret it the way you end up regretting that fast food drive through. So comfort is a big deal. And we struggle with that here, don't we? We struggle with the reality of making our lives comfortable and putting our hope in that comfort. We struggle with control. Now, I don't know, I don't know 
you may be like one of those people that sits there on like, like you're not in the car, you're not driving the car, you're in the passenger seat. And, and half the time in the passenger seat, you're, you're, you're trying to take control of the car. You need to turn here, babe. I need you to go faster. I need you to go slower. I need you to focus on the road. I need you to like, not like, right. That, that, that may be you where you're sitting there. Like I have to control every situation. And if that's you, man, you are in my prayers because this has not been a year for you, has it? Because every time you've tried to control something, Man, it has just been one curveball after another. If your hope is in being in control, man, what a testimony about how this year's been a dumpster fire then. And then there's a, this acceptance. And, I, and, and, and please hear me. I'm not on social media personally, but um, I sympathize with those people who literally, and we've actually had scientists and psychologists describe that because of the dopamine effect, that it, we are actually biologically wired to almost get high on the idea of the number of likes we get or the lack of likes we get or the comments that are made. I was visiting with a family the other day who shared the testimony about a daughter who's going through severe depression because when she'll post a selfie because of one quick small area of her face that she never even thought of before, all the comments that came down about how ugly that was. And my heart broke for that 11-year-old. We have this desire to be accepted by other people. We have a desire to, to walk through life looking to the right and to the left and letting those people be the determinants of, of where we're valued. These idols fall apart in comfort, control, acceptance, and in power. I hear people say all the time, man, I really want this person to become a Christian because if they become a Christian, God could use them to explode out his kingdom, Right? We see this with celebrities, right? This, this idea of, of celebrities who are becoming Christian. Man, if, if, if Justin Bieber could become a Christian, or um, man, it's really awesome that Kanye became a Christian. And I would challenge that sometimes and go, okay, well, I agree. I'm glad that they're Christians because guess what? I want everybody to go to heaven. I don't even want my worst enemies to have an eternity in torment and hell. So I am glad they're Christian. But why is it so critical they're, that they're a Christian? And some people would respond back and go, you don't understand, Trev, if, if, if Kanye really is a Christian, then God is going to use his name to spread the kingdom. And immediately I think, listen, there's already a name that's above every other name. He's already gotten a person and placed him high. We are told that he uses Jesus, that the rest of us are side characters in the story of Christ. And that may be a bold statement for you to hear. You probably, man, if you want to email me, uh, 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 man, uh, please email me at, 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 at Trev at, at, at I don't really care.com. I mean, you could do that if you want, right? Um, but, but, but understand this world is not about you being the center. Christ is the center and you and I are a part of the supporting cast. And I don't want to be the first one to tell you this is not about you, but that should be a freeing thing. This is not about you. Our hope is not built on you doing, like holding it all together. So that's what hope isn't. Hope is not you having comfort only, or you having control is the number one, or you being accepted by everybody, or you having the power or utilizing your power. What is the remedy? Well, let's go back to the text. Our remedy is found in verses 19 through, through 25. Let me just break this up. Where is our hope? The writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way 
through which we can come to the curtain. Let me stop right there. Where's our hope? Our hope is in the fact that we are allowed into this most holy place where God dwells. Not because we're good, not because we've done anything great, but because Christ literally became the usher for us. Man, I, if you're watching this online, I'm so thrilled at the idea that even though we have these online resources, we're now meeting back. And one of the things that I love about being at Anchor is that when I walk into the room and I walk into the building, usually I drop my wife and kids off and then I go park above and I walk down on my own. Or right now when they're checking our temperatures and all that stuff, usually my wife and kids will get into the room before I get into the room. And I love the fact that when I come up to the door, there's usually somebody really friendly, really hospitable, somebody with a gift of hospitality, who comes in and says, man, do I need to find you a seat? And, 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 and if they know me already, then they know where my, they are ushering me in to the people of God. Well, this 19 and, and verse 19 and 20 says, we are, allowed, we are ushered into the presence of God the Father because Jesus himself ushers us in. That's just the beginning of what the remedy for this hope looks like. It continues on in verse 21 and says what? And since we have a high priest over this house of God. And let me just stop right there because what is that verse saying? Not only is he our usher, but he is the one that carries as a priest would, right? In the Old Testament days, the priest would take the prayers of the people and then lay them in the most holy place. So what the author of Hebrews is saying, you got to understand this is to a Jewish audience. He's saying, um, uh, Jesus takes our prayers themselves, probably edits them up a little bit because I don't know if, if, but if you're like me, your prayers aren't perfect, but takes our prayers edits them perfectly, and then lays them before the Father. And then when the Father speaks, he carries that back to us, right? So he is our our high priest. A priest would carry the request to God, and then they would carry the words of God back to the people. And that's what Jesus is in verse 21. It continues on, though. In verse 22, if you take a look at it, it says, so then we have this full assurance. Let us draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith, with, with our hearts sprinkled clean into conscience. Like, like, I don't even care how bad of a person you are. Jesus is so powerful that he doesn't have to hose you down with a power spray. He can just sprinkle his own sacrifice and that is enough to clean you of any kind of sin you've had. And then verse 23 says, continuing, here's the key word. Let us hold on to this confession of our hope without wavering. What does that mean? Well, it means you need to pause for a second and go, okay, what's being described here in the text, this is real hope. This isn't about control. This isn't about acceptance. This is about Facebook likes or, 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 or everybody making a great comment on your Instagram or, or, or somebody patting you on the back. This is what I can really hope in. If, 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 if all the garbage of 2020 continues on into 2021, it doesn't matter because these verses are saying, I have someone who escorts me into the Holy of Holies. I have someone who brings me into that holy place. I have somebody who takes my prayers and then it wraps up in verses 24 and 25. So let us gather together. What's the real corporate worship? It's not just playing the right songs. It's not just having the right speaker. It's not just getting everything right with your coffee and making sure you're sitting in the right place or in your right place on the couch. Let us come together and let us provoke each other and let us remind each other. See, this is, I've heard this verse. If, if, if you're from the old school days of church, you heard a lot of pastors who took this verse out of context. We need to keep meeting because, you know, we should not forsake the gathering of the saints. What he's saying, though, is no, we need to get together and we need to remind each other that our hope is not in this world, but our hope is in what Christ has done for us. And that's what I'm trying to say. 
Where's your hope? See, this echoes with verses like what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 13, 14. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, and not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation of everything is in vain. And so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly that God raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, he was not raised. What am I saying in that verse and how that ties into Hebrews? Well, we worship a resurrected Christ. He's not, this, he's not still the Christ who's hanging on the cross. He's the Christ who came from the tomb. He rose from the dead. And that's a big thing because, because let me just talk to you about in my particular role as a minister and as a chaplain, whether in the, in the private sector or whether in the military, I've done a lot of funerals. And I've done great funerals for heroes, people who have, have done great things in the name of our country. And it's not hard to build up hope in that kind of a funeral. But I've also done funerals where caskets are about this big, where the child never got out of the hospital, where the mother not, never got to hold her son, where the father never got to listen to his daughter's voice, even crying. Where do you find hope in that? Where do you find hope when you've lost your job? Where do you find hope when that disease isn't cured? Where do you find hope if 2021 just looks like a regular version of 2020? We find our hope in that God and the God we worship is a resurrected God who is raised from the dead and is brought to life. That's why we do our baptisms here the way we do our baptisms. You are laid in your old life to death and you were raised up in a new life. That's where our hope is found. Where are you putting your hope in? Yourself? Someone else? Someone else's power? Someone else's agenda? Right now, I want to ask you to just bow your head wherever you're at and just get alone for a second. Are you putting your hope in your own good works? You see, a long time ago, we rebelled. Adam and Eve rebelled from God, and there was a punishment for that rebellion. There had to be a punishment in order for God to be just. And the punishment we're told in the Bible in the book of Romans is death, eternal separation from God. Now, are you willing to pay for that debt on your own? Because Jesus came, what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus came. And one of the things I love about Christmas is that Christmas points us to Easter. He went and died on the cross for us, paying the penalty of our rebellion. You may want to even just say that right now. Lord, I, I'm sorry that I've rebelled. But I thank you, Jesus, that you paid the penalty for me. Now, Jesus didn't just stay dead, but he resurrected, giving us the hope that he can do anything. So, Jesus, would you please forgive me of that rebellion, and would you be my king? You can open your eyes and look at me right now because... If you're interested in what that reality looks like, that's what we pray about every single Sunday when we ask you if you're interested in giving your life over to Christ. Down below in the chat, we've provided a website for you to go on to. If you want to explore that a little bit more, or if you want to text the number below in the chat and just say, hey, I prayed to basically say, I'm sorry that I've rebelled. 
Thank you that you died on the cross for me, Jesus. And because you raised from the dead, you've given me true hope. So would you please come into my life and would you be my savior? That is real hope. Huh. I want to close out with this. In Super Bowl 51, in the third quarter, the Atlanta Falcons were beating the New England Patriots by 25 points. But in the fourth quarter, some things happened. Uh, the Falcons started falling apart and making mistakes, and the Patriots took advantage of those mistakes. And by the time the game was over for its official time, the score was tied. I remember watching this in Virginia, in, 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 in our living room. I remember watching the game, and when the refs came out and they were going to flip the coin to see who would get the ball first, uh, uh, and, and it was critical because whoever got the ball first, first points to score would win the Super Bowl. When they went up there and they flipped the coin and the ball went to the New England Patriots, I thought this game is over because I know who the quarterback was. I don't know how bad the devil's been beating you up this year. I don't know what kind of sickness, what kind of job situation, what you've been involved in. I don't know. I don't know how bad your 2020 has been, but I know a quarterback. You see, I know a quarterback who can take the ball down in certain circumstances. I'm not talking about Tom Brady. I know a quarterback who can take your life. And if you give him the ball, he will take whatever situation you're in. And he is known for being the comeback king. He was raised from the dead. And that's where I'm putting my hope in. That's where we at Anchor put our hope in. Will you give him the ball of your life? Would you put your hope, not in, not in things, not in this world, but would you put your hope in him, in Jesus Christ? Give him the ball. Quit writing your own story with your own pen. Hand him the pen. Let him start doing the writing and see what kind of story he's going to write for you in this new year. That, my friends, is true life. That, my friends, is true hope. Father, may you bless these people today. May you give them grace and may that grace shine on them and shine on others. Would you lift your friendship upon them and bring them peace in your name, Jesus, the true hope. Amen.